Welcome back to Tell Me More. This episode, we have the one, the only, Ryan Chandler with us. Dr. Wiles and myself, Luke Steer, have a conversation with him about what he preached on Sunday and just how the gospel is at work in culture. And we hope that you'll enjoy this episode. Well, we are here in the studio. My name is Luke Stair, and I have Dr. Wiles mm-hmm. and Ryan Chandler with me today. Katie is sitting this one out, mostly because we only have three microphones. <laughs> but uh, it's a great Sunday. It was. So, Dr. Wiles, you were preaching at North Davis Church of Christ, yeah. and we had our brand spanking new young adults minister, Ryan Chandler. If you haven't right. met him yet, uh, you should think he's pretty awesome by now. Just uh-huh. ukulele skills alone. <laughs> Incredible. Are you want me to tell you more about my sermon at North Davis? Is that what y'all should, um, should we shift the focus of the podcast to just what I did at North Davis? You know, I'm always going to defer to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. They've heard enough from me after Sunday. Well, I preached on on uh, fruit of the spirit. They're doing a series on fruit of the spirit, and my assignment was patience, and uh, which actually in the Greek text is forbearance, mm-hmm. is macrothumia. So we did a little Greek lesson there yesterday and had a good time. But um, I was so glad to be here early for the first service, late for the second service here at First Baptist. And I've um, I watched Ryan yesterday and uh, saw a little bit of it live. And then um, I watched it again this morning. And, you know, I was a preaching professor at Truett, so I had to do a little evaluation on the preaching. But uh, <clears throat> but it was really good. Did I get an A? Uh, you would have got an A. Okay, good. For sure. And, uh, That's what they, you want to hear, folks. And, and better than your brother. That's what I would say. I mean, oh, your brother, yeah. I mean, you oh. need to send that sermon to your brother. Yeah, you need and to. I'm going to send this, this podcast. podcast to my brother. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Ryan. Well, I had your brother in my class. He was pastor at First Baptist Hondo, Texas. So uh, he's he's come a long way since those days. A long way <laughs> yeah. since Hondo. His hair has grown out, and he's just become a really, really great leader. But anyway, anyway it was a great sermon. Good job. Thank you, Dr. Wiles. Mm-hmm. Very well done. So as you were writing this sermon, um, I think there are some things, just having had conversations with you around the office that are in the back of your mind. You talked about young adults and this kind of, we want to be a church that's for you. Not just, I think, exclusively to young adults. We're not about to start excluding anyone who's right. not a young adult sure, in this sure. church. But I would love it if you could kind of line out more of what you mean by that, because I know you've put a lot of thought and prayer and preparation as you are really just getting up and running in your role. The for you idea, I actually originally read about in Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes a book called Christ the Center, and it's not exactly a a Christology book, but it is the closest thing we have, I think, to what Bonhoeffer's Christology would have been. And he's trying to define Christ in terms of discipleship, who we are in relationship to Christ. And he says Christ has to be the center of everything, the center of our life, the center of our family's life, the center of our church. And he's a good Lutheran in Mm -hmm. Germany at the time, the center of state and other things too. So mm-hmm. he's trying to write this full dis- description of who Christ is. And he uses a phrase that I'd never heard before that he got from the Latin church fathers called pro nobis. Mm-hmm. So when he's talking about who Christ is, he said, Christ is for 
or pro nobis. He's for us. And Bonhoeffer also does not distinguish between who Christ is and what he does. It's something he faults kind of historical theology on. Like when, the person and work of Christ division, yeah. That's right. So yeah. when they when the ancient church talks about Christ, they they talk about his attributes. Yeah, what he is. He's God, fully God, fully human. That's right. And Bonhoeffer believes we didn't, even for us human beings, we are not different than what we do. What we do is who we are. And so he mm. says, who is Christ? Christ is for us in his actions. Philippians 2, he divests himself to invest in us. That's who Christ is. We can't separate him from what he does. Mm. And so that's how he comes up with this idea of Christ. He's for you. He's for us. That's just been an interesting phrase in... Um, in my dissertation that I'm working on for my doctorate program, mm -hmm. this idea of Christ being for us. And um, and I thought about, well, what if that was the message the world today was hearing from the church? I'm not sure that that is the message the world <laughs> is hearing from the church. Mm -hmm. It's mm. certainly not the message young adults are hearing. More often than not, I think that Certainly millennials and Gen Z, um, but more than that too, boomers mm -hmm. and um, Generation Genesis. X. Yeah, they all hear this message mm -hmm. too. A lot of the time they feel like the church is not for us. The church is against us. The church is trying to beat us down. The church is trying to impose these archaic values on us that are um, irrelevant. And so I thought, what what would it look like in a church or in a young adult ministry, in any ministry, to make the culture shout, we're for you, so that everything we do, everybody they talk to, um, all the Bible study leaders they encounter, as they encounter me or the other ministers, they walk into the room when they leave, what if they really just had that impression, wow, these people actually are for me. Mm -hmm. They like me. They want the best for me. They really are on my team. And I think if they could feel that from the church, it would really start to help them see mm -hmm. just the Lord differently. Um, so that's kind of the for you culture idea that I've been working on for our young adult ministry, a for you culture um, values relationships. Like we want to be in deep relationships with each other. A relate and a deep relationship, I think, even is more than just oh, you're my friend, and you tell me nice things, and we talk about the weather when we get together. I think a deep relationship is challenging. Mm. Like when I'm doing something that's wrong in my life, somebody that I'm in a deep relationship with will challenge me and say, "Man, because I love you, mm -hmm. I want to help you." change some things in your life that I think are actually damaging to you. Uh, some other values that I thought of for a for you culture, like belonging, uh, healthy belonging even. Not only is belonging, I have friends here and they love me no matter what I do in my life, they're going to be there for me. But the other idea of belonging is that something belongs to me. And so I put skin in the game in this culture. I act as a creator and a shaper in this culture. Truth is another value, I think. Um, 
<laughs> this is something I'd mentioned earlier before we started the podcast, but when people tend to hear for you, immediately what they're going to think is some kind of we affirm every single yeah, thing that you're doing. blanket permissiveness. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. And I, I don't think being for you means we just accept everything about you and we create mm-hmm. this hippie community here at the church mm-hmm. and everything goes mm-hmm. and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. I think if we care about somebody, mm-hmm. we tell them the truth mm-hmm. about what God wants from their life, about the way God designed this world and how he designed you. And then the last value I thought of for a for you culture is just sharing, which is really a lot of what my sermon was about yesterday, sharing ourselves. It's God's and you can have some. That's that's right. It's God's. He gave it to me to give to you. So we share ourselves. And by sharing, I really mean mission. That That's my code word for mission in my for you culture stuff. We are on a mission. God gave us something, not just for ourselves. He saved us for a purpose. He called us into community for a purpose. So I tried to bring in a lot of Dr. Wiles' purposeful community here. We're in the church for a very specific reason. And that reason is to join God in reconciling all things to himself. And he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That's right. It's ours. So those are kind of some of the... Things I've been thinking about in this for you cultures that everybody who walks into our young adult ministry would just start to feel that. I, I like the idea so much. I even want to paint on a wall on the third floor. And I've mm-hmm. talked to, I've been talking to the right people about this. <laughs> I want to paint on the wall and make it look real nice. I wanted to say like, Jesus was for you, mm-hmm. period. So are we, mm-hmm. period. So that when you walk up, that's the message you start mm-hmm. sensing immediately. Mm. You know, and, and I love all that, you know, um, when you, when you look at like the, um, Jesus revolution happened in the seventies with Chuck Smith, California, people were confused by it at first because when you said this about hippies, you know, all these hippies start coming to his church and you already had kind of this, this. Um, it, it really was radical back then to y'all. You would it'd be ho hum, but <laughs> churches were starting coffee shops back in the early seventies, and it was just incredibly radical. They weren't on the campus of the churches for the most part back then. They were little, you know, they would rent these little spaces, mm-hmm. but it was a place to have conversation with people. And um, and so you had that kind of going on, and people view that as radical, as kind of you know you're accommodating the culture, you're soft on the gospel, all that kind of stuff, but. So Chuck Smith starts just welcoming all of these folks into his church. Well, he was a legit pastor, you know, in those days. Uh, what I mean by that is, I mean, he was respected by his age, aged peers. You know, in other words, he mm-hmm. wasn't some hippie himself. He was a suit and tie guy. Yeah. And so he starts reaching these folks. And um, but he he was in California and he was in the midst of a kind of a drug crazed promiscuous culture. And that's not what he promoted or accepted or embraced or taught or preached. You know, he, he preached the gospel and, uh, and one of these kind of hippies, you know, joined his church and became one of the leaders, preached the same thing, just did it in a little different way, you know, and it was couched a little differently, but, but it took the, um, that, that culture it just took it over because it really mm. was for you, the best you. You know, um, I, I mentioned to y'all in staff meeting, I think, last week, and I used it in the sermon I preached Sunday. 
uh, N.T. Wright says that the fruit of the Spirit is the rehumanizing process that God uses for Christians. In other words, Wright's contention is if you're not a Christian, then you're not yet the human God designed you to be because you're broken and sinful and you're separated from the purpose for which you were designed. You can't you can't reflect the glory of God. You can't bear the image of God. You can't live fully mm -hmm. in your humanity. And so the idea that God is for you, he is for you, not to just bless your brokenness, <laughs> but to bring healing to it. And um, but I think it's it is um, it is a way to communicate um, a, a a, a gospel culture. I'm, I'm reading this new book right now by um, um, Ray Ortland and uh, Sam Alberry. It's called You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Weary Churches. Hmm. And one of the things they talk about in that book is is creating this gospel culture, you know, in your church that that really is rooted in gospel beliefs and practices joined together. Kind of is kind of a Bonhoeffer-esque idea, if you will. Um and it's just really given me some pause to think about how, how, what a contrast a true gospel culture really is to our culture, <laughs> and yet it's got a it's got the kinds of affinities, and the welcoming presence of Jesus, you know, that could that that are very um, that that are that could be embraced by our culture, mm. but once they get in, you know, then you realize. Well, Jesus is actually calling you to something life transforming, which you yeah. may not really know that on the front end, but he didn't present that on the front end either. You know, he, I mean, the way he did things, you know, he was with people. And I, one of my favorite um, um, messages from Jesus is when he's condemned by the Pharisees and he says to them, he says, well, you know, John the Baptist came preaching and teaching the funeral dirge. Well, you don't like him. And then the Son of Man came eating mm -hmm. and drinking, and you don't like him. So, so what is it that y'all want? And I, I, when I when I read that, I think, man, Jesus must have been something, you know? I mean, <laughs> because he knew how to be with sinners without sinning, yeah, and without condemning, yeah. He just had a way of doing that, and that's that's what I think's got to be recaptured by mm -hmm. the church. What an exciting thing! Because I, I'm I really believe that's what Jesus wants us to do in the first place. So, he's also for us. <laughs> the church. So uh, I like that, Brian. I like the uh, I like the idea of trying to create a culture that communicates a real deep truth that's embedded in the gospel. It's mm -hmm. very, and like you said, it's very hard to do. That so the pastor I used to work for in the Woodlands would say, "It's an intersection of grace and truth." Mm -hmm. And the only person who's been able to do that perfectly in the history of the world is Jesus. And and we're and everybody else is striving to try to get to that intersection, mm -hmm. but it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for people outside the church to criticize the church when they see them yes. fall on one side or the other. Yes, for sure. Easy to say, well, mm -hmm. bunch of hypocrites. Mm -hmm. But we're all trying to do that. We're all trying to say we're for you. Mm -hmm. We love you and we care about you and we want the best for you. We just believe that. That God has mm -hmm. some rules in this world mm -hmm. that are going to help you become mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a much, much better mm -hmm. version of yourself. Mm. And so young adults mm -hmm. need to hear that today. All of us, not just young adults. Mm -hmm. All yeah. of us need to hear that message mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. We do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it needs to be, it needs to be, like you said, I, I, I think we, uh, 
you know, the church sometimes and, and people within the church migrate toward one of those extremes, either grace or truth. It's mm-hmm. like some some folks want all grace and no truth, and some folks want to cling to the truth and without grace. You know, when the Bible says, speak the truth in love, um, there are times in my life where I wish that the Lord had just left it at speak the truth because, you know, sometimes I just want to speak the truth. <laughs> I don't want to couch it in love. I just want to speak it. <laughs> but, uh, but it's hard to do. Um, and so that grace and truth connection or intersection, is it, it is a challenging place, but it's one we have to aspire to get to because it's the healthiest place there is. Jesus was the single healthiest human who's ever lived. And he lived at that perfect uh, point. And so as we're being conformed to his image, that's where we're headed. And mm. I think our world will hear that. I think what what the world, you know, like right now, if you, if you accommodate too much in our culture, then you become just like the culture. And there's really And you're nothing, useless. There's yeah, no there, point. There's mm-hmm. nothing you're offering. You're just another gathering spot. But if you're so hard-edged, you know, to where you just where you just can't even see your way clear to even touch the culture, well, well, then you're no longer accessible. Somehow, we've got to find our way to that point. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I would say to you two, you know, y'all are both much younger than me. When you think about, you know, like Sunday morning, uh, Ryan, you talked about how um, we, you know, the whole concept of sharing this this Christian value. But a part of that is sharing the good news of Jesus, mm-hmm. part of that is communicating the gospel. Well, I think that's one of the things that we're all um, struggling with, addressing, trying to figure out right now as church leaders. So how do you share the gospel with lost people today? You know, what, how, does, how do individual Christians do it? How does the church do it? Um, I think it, on the one hand, you could say, well, that's a really easy answer. God created the world. He loves you. You know, he, he put, you're a sinner. You're separated from him. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Of course, we believe all that. But how do we communicate that to the generation you both live in and are— And the one underneath us. Yeah, and the ones behind you. How does the church best get that message to the community? Um, because, you know, back when I was younger, here's what we did. We would have a big meeting. And just invite everybody to come, and we'd bring a, a specialist in who could just kind of share the gospel in a very powerful way. And I mean, even if your church couldn't do that, you know, if you if you were around long enough in those days, and you lived in a big enough city, Billy Graham would find his way to your town before it was all over with. And um, I went to three Billy Graham crusades live myself. Well, and, you know, you, you would invite people to come to it, and people did back mm-hmm. in those days. And, and I don't know, for some reason, they came in those days. I mean, think about how many people Billy Graham led to Christ in those kind of settings, okay? Now, Greg Lowry's doing that still some with the harvest festivals that he hosts. I, and and I'm, I'm, I would tell you, I think those kinds of things still work. But it's just yeah. so different now, though, you know? So it we're is. not as prone to do that, if, if y'all hear what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. okay, so if not that, okay? <laughs> So you're not going to do that. Well, then obviously the answer can't be nothing. <laughs> so no one know. on your church staff is sitting on their hands going, well, yeah. Yeah, nothing is it. Nothing's going to work. Right. It's over. So I just want to invite our people into this conversation because, Luke, that's one of the reasons you're here is to help mm-hmm. us think through missional habits, learning how to live as a Christian in the culture. 
I know y'all both are looking at some things that we're planning to do like, around the holidays that have mm-hmm. yeah, we're still going to do big it. events. Right. And so I just want to invite our people into this conversation for them to be thinking along with us because you can default to something really quickly. So, man, y'all do, man, the church ought to, man, they ought to. Well, mm-hmm. I get all that. But I guess I want us to be in community together here and let's figure out how we all can do this. Right. You know? So, yeah. I was asked that question at, um, at the young adult breakfast when I was coming in. They asked me about reaching out to young adults. How are you going to, you know, reach out to young adults? When I was in the room. They said, Ryan, how are you going to reach young adults? <laughs> and I said, my answer is you, <laughs> your relationships, the, the people you're in contact mm-hmm. with, you becoming a missional person mm-hmm. is our best strategy, maybe not our best strategy, it is a really good strategy Mm -hmm. for reaching out to new people. Events are great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tried to plug an event in my sermon on Sunday, Mm -hmm. tried to plug December 9th. Yeah, we're we're working with downtown to Mm -hmm. basically take advantage of the massive amounts of people that will walk right by our campus. Mm -hmm. We're going to try and engage them, invite them to participate in Christmas with us at church. The Holiday Lights Parade is around our north lawn Mm -hmm. so that just it seems like that's an obvious place to say let's get out there and do something to engage with all of these people Mm -hmm. but it but it happens on another level too it can't always be come to these big events that the church Mm -hmm. is putting on it happens on those smaller levels like you said last week in your sermon about moving from uh, a model of come to worship and then you experience community to reversing that from coming from community and into worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I can, I'm I'm going to just label myself the missional strategist in the room. Maybe that's not appropriate. That's perfectly There are other missional strategic people in the room with me. <laughs> you know, so there are a lot of people who write about this kind of, you know, the paradigm that church has operated out of in the West is you invite people to worship, they get plugged into community, and then they start serving on mission with God. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well for a really long time, and mm-hmm. I think pretty historic throughout the 20th century until we started really declining in the 90s. Um, you and I have read a book, I think, Ryan, you may read it soon, called Positively Irritating. Mm-hmm. If you're brand new to the conversations about the state of the church in the West, this book may be a little alarming for you. I'd yeah. recommend reading <laughs> The Great Dechurching first because yeah, it'll help set it up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we live in a culture now that, by and large, this framework of guilt and sh- is gone, this moral guilt that people feel, because mm-hmm. everything's pretty permissive. Mm-hmm. So when I think about how we reach people, I think through a few things, that this message that we have of you're a broken, sinful person in need of Jesus just doesn't necessarily hit. Because mm-hmm. if you live in a culture with no absolute morality and no overwhelming sense of guilt mm-hmm. about a broken morality, then mm-hmm. that message just doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I remember I did my field experience in seminary in Denmark in the capital city. It was election season, and I'm walking on my way to church because I was working at church, and it's a Sunday, uh, and I'm walking across this bridge in downtown Copenhagen, and I walk by a poster, and I, ha- I do a double take because what I see is a man wearing a cowboy hat and a holster and nothing else, and it's, his, it's a poster for his prime minister candidacy. Wow. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and there you have it. So that's Europe. And we think, <laughs> oh, that's so extreme. But those values and mores are coming to America. We think of them as primarily European, maybe in some ways. Mm-hmm. But 
think I mean the average American citizen can think about how morality shifted over the last decade. Mm-hmm. So the way that we talk about the gospel has to shift to this away from you're broken and sinful, which we still think people mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. We're not going to deny that truth, but it's we believe that God made you for a purpose. And we know that you think there are problems with this world. Come join us mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. working on that. Mm-hmm. And we believe that God is ultimately going to make everything right. So you, mm-hmm. you flip that paradigm of come to worship, join community, be on mission to come be on mission with us, mm-hmm. come be a part of our community, and then fall in love with God and worship him. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I think Ryan's working towards. Mm-hmm. But then I'd also say this to that question of, Ryan, how are you going to reach young adults? I think social science states that the average person is really only capable of around 50 acquaintance-level relationships. Hmm. So, and as ministers in the church, I'll just let you guess how many of our acquaintance-level relationships are taken up by church people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But all of you listening, everyone who goes to our church, you all are a part of different social networks than us. Mm -hmm. You have space for those relationships to start building with non-Christians. So we want to basically equip and mobilize you to do that. We're, I'm still talking to non-Christian people. I'm, I'm not trying to say that as a cop-out. I spent a good chunk of my afternoon on Thursday talking to a Buddhist UTA student. But you have this potential to reach so many more people than Dr. Wiles does or I do or Ryan does because we were at a church. Y'all are out there living in neighborhoods, working mm-hmm. at American Airlines or Bell Helicopter or part of stay-at-home parent groups, whatever it is, you're experiencing different people than we are, and we want to equip mm-hmm. and mobilize you. Mm-hmm. And I just dominated, so I'm going to let someone else talk now. Well, but I think what I appreciate that about what you had to say there, Luke, is that it's our people in the wild. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like— <laughs> People need to That's meet. That's a good way to phrase it. In the wild. In the wild. That's really where it needs to happen, you know. And uh, maybe we need to capitalize on that at some point, how to get our people in the wild. Um, and so um, one of the things that you have proposed that we do is we try some new things. And so we've, you know, when I did the strategic conversation with the church um, Sunday a week ago, I said to the church, and y'all may remember this, I said, so now that we've kind of embraced this dilemma, what do y'all think we ought to do? And mm-hmm. I just said facetiously, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're killing it. I mean, I'm talking about the church in the West, <clears throat> church in America in particular, couched under the under the the heading of we've lost 40 million American adults in the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, if that's not the wake-up call, then I'm not sure that we'll ever get another one. So, okay, what, what do we do? Well, um, we realized we've got to we've got to make some changes. So, one of the things that you and our engagement team proposed is to start these table groups, mm-hmm. not revolutionary, but something different for us and a little new and has a little nuance to it. That's that's different than Sunday school, which mm-hmm. is obviously yeah. the bread and butter for us. If you were to like uh, the one sentence summary is it's accountability and support for mission with other people in our church, mm-hmm. and you practice together. Yeah. So. Ryan, you're in that, you're in a table group. That's what ours has been. What's, I was going to say. How's it going? <laughs> What's happening? So I'm in the— Give um, us a report from the wild. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've got the— That's ha- actually what I call it. This <laughs> dance from the wild yeah. when I report this back to engagement team. I've got the Hoffmans in my group. Uh, we are hosted at the Hoffmans' house. Um, 
I've got um, the Evans in my group. Um, I've got the Mounts in my group. Mm. And I have Addison Mitchell in my group. Mm. So we really run the gamut mm -hmm. of people here. Mm -hmm. So we have a wide audience. Mm -hmm. um, Addison is 22 and single. And um, Amy and I are in our 30s, uh, mid-30s, and we have kids. And, uh, and Robert the, Hoffman is. We won't even say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we love, Robert you. Hoffman is we love you, Robert. <laughs> and Courtney and Colton are newly in married. their 20s, but newly married newly without kids. So we really have a good variety mm -hmm. here. We get together on Sunday nights, and we eat dinner together, and we start strategizing. That's what our group has been doing. How are we going to reach people with the gospel? Wow. What are we going to do? What do those conversations need to look like? I really enjoy being in there for a lot of the reasons y'all have said. My, um, when I meet um, non-churched people, um, it is few and far between. Mm -hmm. My relationships are dominated by church people. Mm -hmm. So for me being in the table group, I'm hoping to find more opportunities to reach non-church people. But we get together in our groups and uh, we start talking about how are we going to reach people. What mm -hmm. we're planning on doing is hosting a um, Halloween party. Mm -hmm. And I know Halloween scares some people mm -hmm. in the church. Non-Christians aren't scared by that. No, that is a culturally normal thing it is. for most non-church yeah. people mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm. So we're hosting a Halloween party. And at, if I can interrupt, sure. we've asked every table group to do something with Halloween mm -hmm. just because we know. Yeah. Our culture, mm -hmm. that's the culture, is participating in Halloween. Yep. So we're asking them to do something with it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to host a party, Halloween party, say dress up, just a party at the Hoffmans. They're inviting some of their friends that are unchurched. Um, the Evans are inviting some of their friends. Courtney uh, Mound is, uh, she works at UTA. So mm -hmm. she's identifying some of her friends. Addison has talked to me about some of her friends. Everybody's kind of identifying mm -hmm. who could we invite to this thing? And we're telling these people, hey, it's just a Halloween party. Dress mm -hmm. up. We're going to go to one of our friends' houses and have a lot of fun. And that's legitimately what it is. Now, we've been talking also about, all right, how does that turn missional? Right. <laughs> Where, when does mm -hmm. it go from just being a, right. all right, great, you had a party at a house, yeah. to being missional? A purposeful thing. Yes, mm -hmm. a very purposeful thing. Uh, so we're talking about spiritual conversations mm -hmm. as they're inviting their friends to this party, I've been telling them, say it this way. Hey, some of my friends from church in the neighborhood, because that's true. I live close to the Hoffmans, so we're in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Some of my friends from church and friends from our neighborhood are just coming over for a party. We'd love for you to come and meet them and, and hang out with us. And so you come to the party, you hang out. They even introduce maybe Ryan to him. This is Ryan. He's actually our minister of young adults, and I'm dressed up. Amy and I are going to dress up as a king and queen, by the way. And uh, <laughs> we've got our kids dressed up as like a knight and a princess and a wizard. So we've got like a medieval theme going on for our family. <laughs> I love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, our crew's uh, doing the Adams family. Oh, the Adams family. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Luke, y'all got a Halloween costume. We've been plan? trying to decide, but we're. we're yeah. We're just bad behind on planning. We're bad. I'm not a good Halloween parent. <laughs> but you're there at the party, and yes. at some point they say, hey, this is actually our minister of young adults. Mm -hmm. And we're praying that it's going to spark conversation. Mm -hmm. And then even afterwards, and Ann Hoffman's been asking about this, what happens after? Mm -hmm. I say, kick up a conversation with these people you invited. Hey, did you have fun at that party? Mm -hmm. Oh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, so some of those people 
are your church ministers? Like your minister was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's our minister of young adults. Yeah. And in fact, these other people are in a uh, they're in a small group with us. And, uh, and they're, wow, they're really cool. That's very interesting. And and then it turns into, do y'all have a church home that y'all go to? Mm-hmm. Oh no, we don't. We don't really have a church home. And well, why would we want one? Yeah, why would we want you know, one? Well, I mean, that could be a legit question they would ask. Why would I need a church home? My life is full. We yeah. go to little league and. You know, mm-hmm. we're in dance and band and, yep. you know, and all those are great things. <clears throat> and so, yeah. and so that's what we're preparing for. the deepest purpose in your life. Are yeah. You, so, yeah, I love that. And I think the Tamer Group thing, at first I think some of our folks misunderstood it. They were like, okay, so we're going to have a gathering every week at our house and invite all these lost people every week to our house. Well, no, actually you're going you're gonna to spend a week at the church with some instruction and training, and then you're going to have a couple of meetings with your group, just learning these missional habits and yeah. building some missional accountability together. And then once a month, have an opportunity for people who aren't a part of your group to participate and find some community and hopefully find Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that people are beginning to get it, and and we'll see how it goes. And so, we Luke, will. I want to commend you for um, experimenting with it, Ryan. Good job jumping in the middle of it. I'm really proud of our people who have said yes. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I can share another story. Because it's just one that I'm proud of. Uh, this is from not Ryan's table group, but for October, we our skill that we're learning for mission is how do you listen to the Holy Spirit? How do you mm-hmm. use prayer as the base mm-hmm. of mission, realize mm-hmm. that it's all from God? Mm-hmm. And so one, uh, one of our young adults who's part of another table group shared the story with her group. And she said that listening or and missional prayer time is worthwhile, even when it may not feel like it in the moment. A table group member shared today in this group's group chat that after praying the missional prayer, one of her coworkers came into her office talking about needing some spiritual cleansing, air quotes, mm. with crystals and whatnot. And she took that opportunity to share her testimony and how Jesus is the one she goes to in times of need. And much to her surprise, was able to pray with her coworker. Wow. So cool to see Jesus answering prayer within our group. And missional prayer, you weren't at the training, it's just, God, what are you What are you doing and how do mm-hmm. I join in? Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a great story. That's exactly right. So, and, and this is how it happens to me. It's it, Some people think that movements are, um, they start out as these massive phenomenons when that's just not true. Movements start on the shoulders of, in the lives of individual people. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. And the Spirit of God moves as he wishes, but but he's looking for people. You know, when, when the Bible says God, you worship God, Jesus said you worship God's spirit and truth, and God is looking for worshipers. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit of God is working, looking for people. So we join him in the hunt, so to speak. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh And Ryan, you talked about this on Sunday. He's yeah. already at work, you know. And so like you know, Ryan, you tell that story about Okay, I'm gonna. I feel like I'm supposed to go invite these two moms to church, but I just don't want to do that. You know, well, oh, I think yeah. we all can relate to that. You get that moment, and you're like, "Man, I ought to say something. I, mm-hmm. I ought to do something." And you think mm, they're gonna think I'm weird. And why? Why? Why would I think that something that really is so definitive about my life that is really the most important thing about me? Why would I think it's awkward to talk to anyone about it? Mm. Is is I have no problem talking to people about my grandchildren. I love them, you know. Um, um, I'm my kids, Auburn football, uh, the Rangers, you know, it's all good. Why would I think it'd be awkward to talk about something that I'm actually more deeply passionate about mm-hmm. than any of all of that? 
And yeah. that is my relationship with God and how Jesus Christ has truly transformed my entire life. And everything about me every single day is affected by him. And so somehow we've got to figure out and learn how to be um, less awkward about it because, you know, I think people are interested in talking about things that matter. That's great perspective. You know? Yeah. That's a great perspective on approaching that and getting out of your own head. And I think that that's why I shared that story even on Sunday. Everybody just to, could identify with it, Ryan. Just to relate to that and and really also say, listen, if I can get out of my own head and do this, you yeah. can do it too. You know, my brother Emerson, I've talked about him before. He's he's an evangelist and he's one of those, he's just one of those that just, you know. I mean, he's going for it. Oh, he answers every telemarketer call, every single one, and says something like, all right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you five minutes or whatever it is, and then you're going to give me five minutes. You know, <laughs> So I'm promising you I'm not going to hang up on you. If you'll promise me, you're not going to hang up on me. Because I get hung up on every day. You know, people do. Yeah. Emerson shares the gospel with people like that all the time. But one, one year, a few years ago, we were in Florida on vacation, and um, I went out. I like to go out early, sometimes on the beach, you know, when it's quiet. And so I go out. And I noticed there's some cowboy boot, it looked to me like cowboy boot um, prints in the sand, you know, because in the morning, it's like there's very few footprints, you know. And then I noticed there are a pair of footprints kind of going and coming with those cowboy boot prints. And um, and sure enough, I see a guy getting into a truck um, with a cowboy hat on, and uh, and I see my brother, okay? And so, you know, it's like 6.30 in the morning, you know. And so um, uh, so I I wait, and, and finally Emerson comes, and I said, so go ahead and tell me the story. He said, well, I was out walking early this morning before you got up. And he said, and there's a guy sitting on the beach in a cowboy hat and blue jeans and cowboy boots. And he said, I just couldn't help myself. He, just, I, he said, I just sat down next to him and said, okay, dude. I, I really thought this morning when I got up to go walking, I, were, I was going to see a lot of things out here on this beach. <laughs> if you'd have given me a list of 50, I wouldn't have gotten to a guy sitting here in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. What in the world are you doing? And the guy said, well, to be honest with you, I'm contemplating whether or not I really believe I'm supposed to be alive or not. He said, I'm, I'm uh-huh. a truck driver. And he said, you know, I don't want, he said, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk to you. you know, I'm not going to unload all this on you. And my brother says, you know what? It turns out I'm a pastor. Hmm. What's going on? And the guy says, you're kidding me. And he said, no. He said, I just got here and told God, if you really care about me, would you send somebody to talk to me who actually knows how to talk about this kind of stuff? And he wow. said, and a pastor shows up, you know, he said, obviously, you know, I'm going to have to figure this out. So Emerson ends up leading him to Christ and, you know, initiates a relationship with him. But I just thought how, how some people would have just walked right by that guy, you know, mm-hmm. just, just thought, man, I'm not going to. 6.30 in the morning, and, you know, the guy's probably her contemplating, mm-hmm. wanting to be by himself. But my brother just had that sense of, mm, I need to stop asking this guy. So that's a little bold, and I get that. We have maybe lesser um, awkward moments, if you will, lesser, um, more riveting kind of encounters on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. I, I just think I want to encourage our people, myself, all of us, just to be listening to the Spirit of God when you have that moment to speak into it. And you can do it without being weird. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to say somebody's having a conversation. I say, well, you know, speaking of Jesus, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's not really how it works. You don't you know? have to do that. No. You died tonight. Do you yeah, know where you're going? Exactly I mean, right. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It can just be, hey, 
I'm, I'm trying to pray for more people. And this yeah. is what Ryan said on Sunday. How can I pray for you? That's right. What are you going through? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make Just a real people connection. You care. And there's enough, there are enough things happening in our world of biblical proportions. You know, I mean, my goodness, what's happening in Israel right now? You think it's not on everybody's mind? Mm-hmm. Right? What in the world is going on right now? And so there are places to enter in with spiritual insight and wisdom. Um, and we should have that. So we, as leaders here, have got to make sure we're doing our job to do what the Bible says, which is to equip the saints, you know, mm-hmm. to use our gifts mm-hmm. to make sure our people are gifted. And then, like I said, release them into the wild because that's where everybody lives. Everybody lives out in the wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't live in the church. And so um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about just what I sense happening. And I think there's a hunger in us to try to find our way through all this, and uh, I'm grateful for it. And I think Sunday you helped capture a little bit of that, Ryan. But it was really well done, and uh, and you did it in a winsome way, which is always helpful. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Really Such a winsome job. person. Mm-hmm. I like it. It was good. Well, thank you all for listening. We're so glad you're here, um, and we are just truly, genuinely excited about what God is doing in our church and the opportunities we have before us in our culture. So we hope that you will buckle up and come along for the ride. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.